step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. It's snowing in Buffalo. Shocking. It's uh, snowing, but like for nothing. Like, honestly, I have not had to shovel all year. I just brought the shovel out. Yeah, no, it's it's funny because I, I was talking with uh, some older gentlemen who I have coffee with in the mor morning, and you know, obviously they've been around longer than I have. But even going back to when I was a kid, and you remember the blizzard of '77, you remember big snowstorm. '96, I think it was a blizzard of '96. There. Yeah, because I just saw a thing about it. Yeah, most of most of our big storms recently have been early. I'd say fall storms, October of, uh, we had the October storm that, uh, I remember that one. Yeah. We had one in November of 2000. And the reason I know that is because I was living down on the Buffalo waterfront down near now where, uh, the, um, canal side is, it was my, right. you know, so I was right down there and it was right before Thanksgiving. And, um, I had an F one fifty truck at that point, if you can believe it. And I, couldn't get within two miles of my apartment and ended up walking the rest of the way. Um, but was smart enough to get a pizza on the way because I, no, I, I had no food in my apartment. And the guys who were plowing plowing the roads stopped and said, hey, we'll give you 20 bucks for that pizza. And I'm like, uh, no, I got nothing in my apartment. This is all I have to eat the next two days. So it's for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but the funny thing is it's like we've had a couple – you know, sort of dustings and maybe one, a few accumulate, but nothing of any kind of major consequence. And I mean, I guess if this is a, a sign of global warning or warming or climate change in, in Buffalo, it's not that bad, but I know it's di different in different places. No, it's different. It'll hit different parts of years. The, the, the best one I can give you is in, in 2009, when I wrote the book, Ranger Greats, um, a year later, I did a, um, a signing with Don Mattingly and Brian Leach, and it was in the city and it was at um, oh I forget the uh, I forget the name of the comedy club, but at any rate it was there, and they had about a hundred of the books, and so they signed them. You know there was a little uh, Q and A and all of that, and then pictures, and it started really snowing badly during the pictures. Oh, it was Gotham Gotham Comedy Club? Okay, Pretty popular, and. I was looking at things and looking at my watch and deciding how the hell I was going to get home because, you know, I had to take the train and it's about an hour drive. I do all that and literally got home as someone had to dig out a spot in my driveway and my car just made it in at about one in the morning. Like that's how tight it was. And I'm carrying in like my book that, that Brian Leach signed and like a signed bat from Don Mattingly running for my life to get in the house. Yeah, a trip that would normally take me a half an hour took me nine hours, and I didn't even get back to my apartment. I had to walk the rest of the way. So yeah, it's you know just 
and and it wasn't like I had some sort of four wheel drive or some sort of a you know a rear or front wheel drive like a Ford Escort. I had a truck and I still couldn't get anywhere. <clears throat> um, all right, let's start with the pre-show. Um, let me just mention this because it was Ranger connected. I don't mm -hmm. know if this was what you were going to talk about, but Larry David was on uh, the Michael K show yesterday, and it was pretty funny that he like. Apparently he's a, a, a you know a, a he's a he's a Yankees fan, but he also likes the Mets, which I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You can like one or the other. Right, he's at Met games. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a big Ranger fan, and he was talking with Don Lagreca about Capo Caco being sort of benched by David Quinn, and um, you know, it was, it was pretty funny. There's like a. 40 set 40 second uh, video out there of him sort of criticizing Quinn for for benching Kako. It was refreshing. I mean, I, I think Larry David's pretty funny. So him talking about hockey and it actually being sounding knowledgeable about it, it wasn't like he was doing it on a sports show just to just for the effect. No, I mean, look, cool. New Yorkers, the ones that like the Rangers are pretty passionate. So it doesn't shock me. Although apparently he said he told somebody to draft – oh, I think the Jets to draft. He told Mike McCagnan to draft uh, Lamar Jackson, and, and, and McCagnan supposedly just laughed at him. Right. Well, he was right. McCagnan doesn't have a job anymore. So. <laughs> and I like Lamar Jackson too. I wrote about him in pretty glowing terms saying I felt like a lot of teams were going to be wrong. So I, I understand why he feels that way to say that too because a lot of people doubted him. Another thing was um, – so FAN had um, Gary Bettman on recently, mm. and while there was some good talk about um, Las Vegas, there was some bad talk, like Joe Beningo basically saying that the NHL is a regional sport. If you're talking about Vegas, doesn't that tell you that it's not a regional sport? Like, it, you know, it's like you can't do both. You can't go with this old, tired narrative that yeah. it's a regional sport because it's not. It's well, this, this, this is the thing I mentioned. And, okay, WFAN is a failing station. The yep. ratings are going in the tank. Most of their people are either going to uh, online like like Francesa or Bart Scott or um, um, Chris Carlin have gone to over to the competition. The right. ratings are the ratings are cratering. And I you know I've listened to Beningo and Roberts for years. And right. if I had a dollar for every time they've talked about the Rangers or talked about the NHL over the last six months, I couldn't buy a Big Mac. I mean, they they just don't. So I know I when I used to cover the Rangers religiously, I saw Joe at games. Yeah, like he used to go. I don't know if he goes anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. And he's you know he's more he's more into the the Mets and and and, ba you know, ba and the Yankees in baseball during the season. And but you know anybody who talks about the the pathetic Knicks over uh, over the Rangers, who at least have young talent who are on a, on a more upward positive track. I mean, yeah, yeah. WFAN, it's a regional sport. I mean, I, I, the NHL was more international than the NBA going back to the 1970s. Just because the NBA yeah. gets more attention does not mean that the you know that the NHL is regional. Well, I mean, again, apparently Beningo called a Tavares pajama boy. It's like yes. you're interviewing a a commissioner. Yes, like, you're really going to talk like that, and then. Evan apparently asked um, Gary to promise all Islanders home playoff games would be at the Coliseum. And it's like, again, a 12-year-old Islander fan knows the score on that. I was just at an Islander watch party. Everybody there knows the score with that. Mm -hmm. 
why do you ask an embarrassing question like that? Now, apparently, it's gotcha. That's what it is. It's gotcha. It's just stupid. And, and Bettman's too smart for that. Now, I think he went to ESPN Radio 2 and DiPietro interviewed him. And so somebody told me that, and this does sound like a DiPietro question because it's smart. Um, he said, or, or Bettman wasn't there, he was just talking about it. And he basically said that Bettman won't move the Coyotes to Canada, even though they bring in a lot more money because he wants the franchise to succeed down there. There is a lot of truth to that. That We've always talked about that. And the, the reason, it's not only they wanted to succeed, it's also the television market. There you go. Again, that last Winter Classic maybe opened up more television market in the South. Yeah. And that's something that is big. You know, again, if you want to, you know, pray and bow down to the NBA, you know, the NHL's Winter Classic for a one-off game drew $35 million into local economy. Aside from the NBA going to China, which didn't work out very well this year, they don't have a game like that that draws that, that puts something in the local economy that is a spectacle on a regular season basis. They don't have it. Well, think, think of it this way. I mean, the only place I think it's logical that, that the Arizona Coyotes move, if they move, and now I doubt I'm, I'm having less – thought that they're they're going to move because they have new ownership they're spending money and they're the team good. and the team is good so they'll probably draw people to the uh uh Gila River Gila River Arena um is Houston and the reason that they the NHL yeah. would be on board with that is because Phoenix is the number 4 market in the US population wise and Houston is number 5 I believe it's like yeah, a, the southwest market Houston is a great sports market for TV so you're right that would be logical but right now no I think we all had issues with Arizona, but for the moment, it does seem like it's working out. Yeah, and right now, I think, honestly, if you're talking about a team being moved in Canada or in inside Canada, it could be Ottawa to Quebec City. It right. could be Florida if they continue to draw you know, 3,000 people on Tuesday nights. So yeah. anyway, okay, let's start the show. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. It's acceptable to say that when in the first when the first week and a half of the of the next year you once you hit like the tenth, Mike, it's no longer acceptable. I'm just letting you know it's the eighth. So I I, I, I got it in that, uh, and I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with some games from last night. But before we do that, um, well, actually, we can do it. We can do the first two stories in concert with the games. Um, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes won 5-4 over the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll talk about the game in a second, but during the game, the cameras looked up into the press box, uh, uh, um, corporate box area, and caught Thomas Dundon wearing a uh, Carolina Hurricanes hoodie uh, standing next to former uh, Canes captain Justin Williams. Yep. Um, now, Williams, after the game, signed a one-year deal, $700,000 minimum deal, prorated with bonuses. <clears throat> um, this is the thing, Russ, and um, I, th there have been rumors over the last week or so that you know they there was not 100% certainty that Williams was going to get the deal with the Canes because they're uh, limited on the cap. Um, the deal they ended up getting, he got $700,000, as I said, um, which prorated for half the year will be 350 grand, but he got 1.3 million in performance bonuses. We don't know if that's you know games played or goals or whatever, but 
the key to that is the money is deferred until next season. Right. We'll hit their cap next season. This is sort of like the Washington Nationals deferring Strasburg's money, and he took it as opposed to Anthony Rendon, who said, no, I want my money now. Um, Williams was okay with the with – the, and, and Williams is in Carolina. His family stayed there. But there was talk. Pierre Lebrun came out yesterday and said the Leafs had uh, kicked tires on Williams, that the Bruins, that Tampa Bay had also been in on him. So – this was not a fait complete. It sounds like Williams had to put the threat out there of going someplace else to get Dundon to kick in the bonuses. Yeah, because Dundon is is incredibly cheap. Like, there's just no way of, of around that. I think that Williams would have been back sooner had he got a better offer sooner from him. He was always trying to go with Dundon, but – Dundon must have like not been budging, so he started looking elsewhere. Right. You know, they have two and a half million in cap space. Did they really have to do it this way? No. But this is Dundon sort of taking advantage of Williams, knowing that he's got him where, you know, where he wants him. He wants to be on the team. He's in that market. And so, yes, this is Dundon getting a deal. But this is a bad precedent for other players to set with Tom Dundon because he's going to think he could do this all the time. And these are extenuating circumstances where Williams has made a lot of money over his career, so he's sort of willing to to deal with this. Okay, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It definitely helps them, but their goaltending still wasn't great last night. So for, to say that they're going to go far with that goaltending, still something might have to change. And, you know, for the Flyers' sake, it was an awful game. They had a 2-0 lead. They blew it. They, they did tie it up. <laughs> <clears throat> they did tie it up with, I don't know, like four or five minutes to go in the game, something like that, six minutes to go. And that was good. So they got their point. Mm-hmm. You know, people are trying to tell me like online, this is an incredibly important point. And I'm like, I don't know. They went one, four and one on this trip. Like, I don't know if this is an incredibly important point because while you took that one point, you gave Carolina two and you're chasing Carolina. So right. there's, there's really no happy way out of this unless you won it, and at least you would have gotten a, one more point than Carolina. You didn't. So uh, that's a success. Funky is talking some smack in the chat. Says, I said on here back in September, Justin Williams was going back to the to Carolina or another team, and Russ said I was wrong. Looks like Russ was wrong again. I mean, I no, I, I first of all, I don't remember that. Uh, I don't either, but I'll take you on, on your word for that. But the idea was, if it was such a slam dunk, why was he talking to other teams? And he literally just came back. Sorry about so, that. Um, yeah, no, I know. I, 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 I. Got a Hall and Oates song as your ringtone. That was that was, uh, that was the that was the Apocalypse in Nine Eight from uh, Supper's Ready. Okay. I, I used the little. If, if I'm using a well, it shows how much of a Genesis nerd I am. I'm using a. Anyway, um, anyway, so um, yeah, well the the. the Carolina's goaltending is the major issue. I mean, maybe they wanted to preserve a little bit of flexibility in terms of the, uh, you know, in terms of the deadline, and that's why they're being so picky unish about about Williams. But then maybe they knew that Williams really wanted to be there. Like I said, he kept his family. He stayed in Carolina. They knew that he wanted to play there, and maybe they didn't respect the threat of a team like Boston, Tampa, or Toronto signing him. I just, well, let's let's take the other side of the coin here, and then we'll get to the games. Look at those three teams that were interested and extrapolate from that what it's what that says. 
We know Boston's looking for at least a top nine and maybe a top six winger. They could have gotten that. You know, there was talk about them being interested in Kovalchuk. They backed off from that uh, and, and ended up being uh, they did they passed on him for a minimum deal. They you know they were interested in Williams. Williams would have fit the bill on that because he scored fifty three points last year. Uh, Tampa Bay, they're going great guns right now, but of course they, you know, they're they're tight against the cap, and they you know they lost a lot of experience last year uh, with with J T Miller with Girardi. Um, you know, Coburn was out of the lineup for a while. So uh, Ryan Callahan. So adding a veteran like Justin Williams would have made sense. Toronto, same thing. Even though they're loaded up front, they lost Hainsey, they lost Marlowe, they lost Tyler Ernest. A lot of also good defensively. He would have helped them defensively. With right. right. He's a responsible two way forward. So yeah, I mean, it made sense for all three of those teams. And what this says to me is if they were in on Justin Williams, not that there's a ton of Justin Williams is out there on the market free as a free agent, but when it gets closer to February 24th, I think all three of those teams are going to be looking for either depth forward or defensive help. And them being in on Williams just says that they're being proactive to go out and get those type of players. And, and just again, to answer Funky, if it was such a slam dunk, he wouldn't have talked to any other teams. But there must have been a point in his mind and his agent's mind where they were like, all right, look, we have to cover ourselves here because you want to play. We have to do we, – we want to do this in Carolina, but there is a chance you may not play in Carolina. Are you? And clearly, if he's talking to other teams, he was at least looking at the possibility of not playing in Carolina. But he is. It helps him. On the Flyers' front, uh, look, we all know Chuck Fletcher has to do something. Defensively, Robert Hag – not what he was last year, especially under this coach. So that's different. Phil Myers, I mean, you're, you're you're rushing him in there hoping that because of the physical nature of his play and the great skating that you can get something out of him. He's bumpy. Right now their defense is weakened. And Svechnikov with his between-the-legs breakaway was one thing, but there were three or four breakaways in that game, two-on-ones. And, again – the Flyers fans that wanted to give me a hard time that said they weren't slow on defense, they were. And it showed in that game. And they were they were fortunate to get that point. But the way this division is now in the Metro, I don't think the top three is changing. I don't think it's – I think it's a matter of the Atlantic taking over everything. And if the Flyers want to stay in that wild card spot, they're going to have to keep Columbus and Florida at bay. And to do that, they have like seven games in the next two weeks – this is all without Justin Braun. So this is where the GM has to do something because I think the season is now. I don't think it's after the uh, the trading deadline, to be honest. Yeah, and we can talk about one team that's going in one direction and another that's going in another. Um, you mentioned the Blue Jackets. They're tied now, tied uh, for with Philadelphia. Now, they're, uh, you know, if the season ended today, I think. It's amazing if you think about it because – Everybody was talking about the Flyers like three weeks ago with the surge that they had. Oh, speaking of surge, did you see the Carolina surge after the game? They had a sumo match between the two goalies with Morazic and Reimer. Did you yeah. I, I caught a little of it. I thought it was completely un, unrealistic because James Reimer was stopping a puck. Sorry. All right. Um, but continue. Continue. No, uh, the only thing I was saying is it's it's amazing that Philly was as high as they were 
and Columbus has now caught them. And yeah. it shows you in the midst of an NHL season, and we know it's not how you start, how you, it's how you finish, but also it does show how inconsistent the Flyers play is on the road and at home. And the one thing Torts has done a very good job with is getting his team rallied. Because, I mean, again, they needed to get rallied. And he's had a couple of really uh, pivotal moments this year where he sort of, you know, went back to being the old Torts. Right now he's getting the results. Well, I mean, he's get, you know, the some of the players, the, the players who remain on that team are stepping up. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois had three assists yesterday. Wierenski had two goals. But they're also getting, you know, uh, secondary offense out of guys like Robinson and Nathan Gerby, former Saint. Uh, and, and Eric Robinson, you know, I've talked about him before. I covered him in Princeton. He's a really good skater. He's like 6'2". He could play the penalty kill. He could do a little bit of everything. So I think it's really smart that Yarmo Kekalainen drafted him. And I always did like him when he played for Princeton. And I saw him play a lot over his four years there. So that's something where, yeah, those kinds of players could really give you a jump start. And, and let's also be fair about something. Seth Jones is a superstar. If he was in any other market, imagine if Seth Jones were in Toronto or Montreal, the kind of press he would get for the moves that he has. You know, once in a while we see a video. Once in a while you may watch – a Columbus game, but this guy is just a tremendous athlete. Yeah, and uh, Elvis had 37 saves in the 4-3 victory over Anaheim. Now, going difference right now, he is. Now, going in the other direction is the Montreal Canadiens, and I say that with complete and utter glee. Um, they lose 4-3 to the Detroit Red Wings yesterday. Third game they've lost to Detroit this year. I mean, that's you can't have that. That's absolute killer. I mean, you, you exactly. I mean, it's you know they're at forty three points right now, a game under, you know what is considered five hundred now, eighteen, right. nineteen, and seven. But really, that means that they're eight games under five hundred. Um, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk got two assists last night, but this this is the problem. It's like that was, and I said to you earlier. Kovalchuk's got three assists in two games. For a $700,000 hole plug, that's pretty good. But the the signing of Kovalchuk was a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Yeah. And that's the problem. We, we said this early in the year. We said this when we were looking at the poor playoff teams. And I know Ak was very pro, very pro uh, Canadians. They needed – because everything went right last year. Remember, Tatar scored, you know, and he was a salary dump. Max Domi had his career best year. Um, everything went right, and they missed the playoffs by a point or two. So this year, injuries: Drouin, Armia, uh, Byron, now Gallagher, who was you know thirty goal scorer last year. They bring in Kovalchuk, and immediately he's on the number one line and the first power play. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're expecting Carey Price to be the Carey Price of five or six years ago. He's still a very good goaltender, but, you know, he, he's not perfect. And Shea Weber is 30, what, 33, 34 years old, and you're playing him 20, 24, 25 minutes a night. This is the problem. There's not enough there. And Anthony in the chat says Montreal has never fully tanked and they should tank. I it's not possible for that team to take. The, the, the fans will burn that building down. They will. I mean, Philip Zadina had the big goal yesterday. Nice to see that. Here's the thing about Kovalchuk. So he gets a few assists. 
He gets one of them on the second goal, which at the time put him up 2 nothing. But then where's Kovalchuk at the end of the game? You know what I mean? Like, where is he when you need him? I know, that's my ringtone. Where is he at the end of the game when you need him? Right? I mean, that's the thing. Zadina scored his goal. Uh, actually, Nielsen scored, tied the game at 11-19, <coughs> and Zadina scored at 16-08. So where's Kovalchuk at the end to either get a goal or get another assist then? That's why you sign Ilya Kovalchuk. If I'm just getting assists from him, it's still not a great signing. It's okay because you're getting points, but this is a guy that you're expecting to be a goal scorer. Ilya Kovalchuk's a goal scorer. If you're getting him and he is just getting assists and he's maybe getting some of them on the power play, like it's not as much of a help as you would hope it would be. Yes. Um, all right. The uh, I, I tuned in a bit to the Rangers Avalanche game last night because uh, Igor Shashurkin, the Russian goalie prospect who's been burning up the AHL, was called up a couple days ago and um, made his first NHL start. I heard something about he was called up, he was in New York, and apparently he forgot his equipment or something like that. And he had to go back to Hartford to get it. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I, I, I just heard like that in passing. It, it made sense that it was Shashurkin because it was Hartford and they were talking about the Rangers at the time. Yeah, I didn't um, hear that. But, but give me your – I mean, I, I was impressed. Um, I know that the NBC – SN broadcast was playing this off like you know he is some um like he's a kid. I don't know. Pre-game we got a four years old. He's not a kid. I know. And, and pre-game we got a text like Milbury saying he was being thrown to the wolves. He can't be thrown to the wolves if he's a starter in the KHL for a couple years and then a starter for half a season in the AHL. That's not exactly being thrown to the wolves. And you know, uh, fans were like online, they were like, Well, you should put him in against the devils not against Carolina, and you know my uh, Colorado. And my feeling was Colorado's coming off a back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. This guy, the best thing to do is to get him in right away. If you put him on the bench and let him start thinking about mm -hmm. when he's going to start having his his you know uh, NHL moment, you don't want to do that. So I think the Rangers did the right thing. They threw him in there, gave up a couple goals early. They weren't his fault. Matter of fact, Adam Fox's one giveaway to Nathan McKinnon was so bad, and McKinnon comes in one on zero. And just, you know, and he puts a five hole. Like, that's – Welcome to the NHL, kid. Yeah, that's Nathan McKinnon, man. His hands are, like, faster than they were two years ago. It's it's insane. But the Rangers did re um, rebound. He did. after Right after that sequence, he made another great save. He was making great saves down low. He was looking great post to post. But, again, NBC missed an opportunity. They had Brian Boucher. And instead, on this game, they put Mike Milbury and we have um, – Pierre on there too. Pierre was between the glass. Was it Patrick Sharp or was it uh, Keith Jones? And uh, besides Milbury, Keith Jones. Okay. Um, maybe it was Keith Jones. I'm not sure, but at any rate, Mike Milbury is no longer in a position where he should be evaluating goalies because at first, at one point he was like, he's not settled in. He doesn't look good. Well, like, you know, and it's like, hold on. Well, he ends up getting the win, which makes Milbury look ridiculous. And he really did not give up a bad goal where you say, oh, that's just awful. On the kid. If there's an expert about throwing a goalie to the Wolves, it's Mike Milbury. He did it with Longo. He did it again with DiPietro. He's an expert. He should be He should be on that panel. And actually, at the very beginning of the game, um, Shesterkin um, made a move where he was behind the net, 
and sent it down the ice to give a great headman pass. Mm -hmm. to, um, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Zabanajad, and and they got a shot on goal because of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, if you're throwing a guy to the Wolves, nobody's making that play. Carter Hart never tries that play. Just to give you an example, and the difference in the kind of goalie he is. So he he is a lot more grown up than you think. He played a really good game. The Rangers played a very solid game, and and this was a good win. It does cause a, a bit of a, a problem now, and that is, are you going to go with him again next game? Are you going to sit him and put Lundqvist in? Is Georgiev now going to sit for a week or two? You know, this is where I felt like, you know, Jeff Gordon should have traded Georgiev already. I told you that, yeah. and, and I think that's still the best course of action if he could do that so he eliminates this problem because there's no doubt that Shesterkin is good. I don't think we and, – and he's wearing Dan Blackburn's number, which I like because I, I really liked Dan Blackburn. I covered him his entire rookie season. Yeah. I mean, again, that injury really killed him. He was a good goalie on a bad team. He really was. He knew what he was doing, but once he lost, like, one of his pectoral muscles and he started playing with, like, two flippers, at, two blockers at the end, he looked like – you know, it, it was kind yeah. of – Bill Dernan used two – oh, no, actually, Bill Dernan used two gloves. Yeah, he used two blockers when he was playing for, like, the Victorious Salmon Kings. That's how it got for Dan. But but he was a great guy and a really good goalie until, you know, that happened. Well, a couple things here in the chat. Um, one one non-Ranger Ranger related. I just want to nip it in the bud. Uh, Funky was saying Bobby Mack is retiring, question mark. No, no. No, he's not. He got re-signed. He got re-signed to a five-year contract. He's just – but, but what he said in a tweet yesterday, he's not going to be like on the panel three days a week. And I bet you he's going to do like like maybe one day a week and do occasional right. radio. Well, he has to do NBC and he's flying to do that. He has to fly into Connecticut for that. Right. And he he flies out every, every like he was flying on the on Toronto radio this morning. He was at Pearson. He was flying to go to go. I don't think he's going to be doing that. So I think he's you know just going to he'll have a lesser schedule. I know he's going to do the World Junior in the draft. So, you know, he's, he's getting he's getting a little older. I don't know which draft it was, but he was there at one of the drafts with crutches because he just had knee surgery. Right. He's just taking a step back, but he's not. I mean, he does his work, man. Not not He's not stepping away from the scene. Uh, now, the other thing was uh, uh, with the Rangers. I mean, uh, I mean, we don't know about Kreider, but I think it's I mean, fair. He had a good game, too, Kreider. I think it's fair to assume that, you know, with the Rangers sort of taking a step back here in the playoff race, that there is going to be either a concerted effort to sign him or to trade him. I, I'm leaning towards trade because now. I am too, but they're going to wait till the last minute, Mike. They yep. were playing up the fact that the Rangers need these two points and yada, 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 and they're still in it. And right. I'm not totally buying that, but, you know. Now, the question the question that's more pointed towards the goaltending situation is now Georgiev because if Shashurkin is playing and he's playing as a, you know, quasi-1B, you know, to, to Lundqvist, um, Where's Georgiev going to be? Is it going to be a rotation? I mean, you've got three goalies here and two that are quasi-backups that are going to be either 1A, 1B types with the Rangers or with somebody else. I mean, they could set Shesterkin down, too, if they don't trade Georgiev and say, hey, look, it'll be a couple weeks, we'll settle, we'll settle this, and then you'll be back up. That is possible. Yeah, but – I don't think that this situation, if it lasts in terms of three goaltenders, is beneficial for the Rangers in terms of, you know, determining or setting a market for these goalies. Right. Um, you know, because 
do you really, I mean, you could say, well, it really doesn't matter that they carry three goaltenders, but you want to evaluate and you can't really evaluate Shashurkin as a potential number one next year when he's playing once every three games and you have a three, a three goalie rotation. Cause you can't, no, you can't sit Lundquist a long time either. No, and you wouldn't want to. I mean, so you're right, but we'll see what happens with it. It's going to be interesting. I just don't know what the value you can garner for Georgiev right now. I mean, if it's a team that's desperate for – Give me a second-round pick in, uh, in this draft, and we have a deal. Yeah, but I don't think that's a thing. I don't know. I mean, Arizona – like. Right now, Ranta and Kemper are out. Kemper is supposed to be back before the All-Star break, but they're not going to push him because they're in the playoff race. Ranta's injury was day-to-day, but there's been goaltending issues in terms of injury with that team for a long time. Um, you know, Do they go out and trade for Georgiev? Well, if both of those guys are healthy, then then they're, they're carrying three goalies, so that doesn't make any sense. It's, it, it's, a, te- it's a team that has a issue where – uh, like San Jose, they maybe right. need a goalie who's a future goalie, but San Jose doesn't have draft picks. Right, they've traded too many picks. So, and, and and I know somebody was saying in there Toronto, but Toronto traded their first round pick. I don't no, think they wouldn't require a first. The Toronto would give them a second. They might make the deal. Right, but I don't think Toronto is going to give up a second in a strong draft like next year's. You know, it, so. You know, I, I I don't think, but there there are like Buffalo Buffalo. Could really use a number. A, a yeah, they're not going to give up on that plan right now, though. Right? No, they're. I mean, Luke, like Lukanen is going to be their goalie in a couple years. No, but you know what I mean. Like they, they don't want to even say what they've been doing has been wrong. Right. Well, season. Right. I mean, they're they're paying Carter Hutton as a backup to be one of the worst backups in the league. He's making making almost three million, and he hasn't won in ten consecutive starts. It's um, really the the most covered up story. If it's the best. That's the best word I can come up with in the NHL that doesn't get talked about. Think about that for a minute. Nobody even gets to get close to that in Toronto before they get cut as a backup goalie. And in most markets. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it was attracting attention that Hutchinson was 0-5-1 and and they only earned one, one of possible 12 points. And especially when the team was under 500. Now, you know, Hutchinson's won three games in a row, although he, he technically took the loss on Monday, but giving up three goals, Freddie Anderson giving up three goals in that goal, that game, you whatever. Yeah. But um, all right, let's. Well, hang on. But well, in between here, yep. The, um, Adidas came out with the All Star jerseys, so I want to show it off a bit. I like it. I actually. Um, whoop, there we go. That's a good look at it. So. The white, I believe, is what the East will be wearing. Okay. And then the uh, the other color was that the gray. Is it gray? It looks grayish with white metal. Yeah. Uh, is what the uh, the West will be wearing. I like it. I like the uh, the stripes across it. I like the way it looks. They're, they're light. And obviously, they're the kind of jerseys that don't soak up uh, sweat. So I think they have a decent look to them. I know people, we have looked at all-star jerseys in the past, and sometimes they're they're hit and miss. I would say every once in a while I like them, but I would, I would say for this year's version, I like it. I like the West version best because I like that color gray. I mean, it's just like the gray you usually wear, but now you're going out of your way to buy different colors. Well, the question is, are they going to, like for individual players, are they, I mean, are they going to have the Oilers emblem on McDavid with the black jersey? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they will. This is just a way of. 
so they're not going to have a Wales and Campbell or a West or or a divisional emblem. It's going to be the. No, I think you'll just have a team patch like on the shoulder. Okay, and that's you know what that that's smart in terms of marketing for fans who don't particularly want an all-star jersey. They want the jersey of the player from their team, and it has their team's emblem on it. So that I think that will help sales. I, I just, you know, and I'll go off on my my normal, usual all-star uh, rant. Um, you can tell that the feeling uh, that I have regarding the all-star game is spreading. Um, you know, and there's another, other members in the media. I know Pierre Lebrun has been very upfront about his disdain for the all-star game because it's just it's a meaningless game of shinny. Um but it's not being done for you know reporters or fans like us who are lifers. It's being done for I guess the casual fans so, to see uh, those players on the same ice at the uh, same. So it looks like um, they're going to have the uh, logos like that. So okay, just like the Blues logo, they'll have everybody else's logo. But my my point is is like now, Alex Ovechkin has jo- has dropped out for the second year in a row. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury has said he's not going to go. Um, and I, I believe, uh, Kemper is injured. That's different. You know, he'll be replaced because of an injury replacement, but some players want the rest more than they want to go to St. Louis for the all-star game. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I just, I, if it's an event for the league, for their advertisers, fine. But I, I just think it's a waste of time, but you know, I'm, I, I'm in the, I'm in the minority on that one, I guess. Oh yeah. And actually it's not the West and the East because they Right, it's the Atlantic and Central, and the yeah, because here's like, like the Winnipeg one looks kind of nice in white there if you could see it. Yeah, barely. Right next to that, it's like a it's like a blizzard in Winnipeg. Yeah, but I I, I kind of like it. Like the one that shows up a little more is the is the Avalanche one. You see that in the yeah. corner. So yeah, interesting. But I still like the game. I mean, I'm not going this year, but I will go back to the All Star game. I always find it fun. <laughs> they always have to change it up. I agree. And I look there. There may be a year that they don't have the All Star Game because you know they were talking about that with the possible uh, World Cup, right? So yeah. Um, okay. The, the Bruins beat the Nashville Predators six two last night in Nashville. It was Game One of the John Hines era mm-hmm. in Nashville. Um, th- there was a. The, the highlight that I saw frequently was the fight between Zdeno Chara and uh, Trennan, the young forward. Yeah, Trennan, yeah. yeah for, for Nashville. And surprisingly, it wasn't a technical knockout for Chara. Trennan got a good couple punches in and made uh, – you know, the thing is, it's like I don't know how good of an idea is. You were talking about this before, Russ. I don't know how good of an idea it is that – Chara had surgery, and I believe the surgery that he had that he was out for a few weeks for was for his jaw. Yeah, and he gets rocked on the jaw by this by by this Nashville forward. I mean, not a, not a good idea. I mean, he's capable of doing it. He's sticking up for his teammates, but maybe not a great idea to trade punches when you've just had a broken jaw. It's not, but I'll, I'll tell you, <clears throat> Trennan's a big kid with a lot of skill. He is. He's. He's 6'2", he's over 200 pounds, he's got four points in nine games, he's a plus two, and now he's fighting for you too. So those are the kinds of players that can really help Nashville. But my big question about Nashville is, you inserted John Hines, we're still not seeing the bump. So how long is it going to take now 
until we see the bump from this team. They still may have to shake up that locker room, Mike. That's the uh, the bizarre part of this. Now, uh, Chris Johnson from Sportsnet just uh, posted the performance bonuses for Justin Williams. So here you go. I'll just read this briefly. $150,000 for 10 games, 100000 more for 20 games. So unless he gets injured, those are very easily easily met bonuses. A quarter of a million if the team qualifies for the playoffs. So that's $500,000 in bonuses right there that seem pretty easy. $100,000 for each round the team wins in the playoffs. So rounds one through three, another quarter million if they win the Stanley Cup and another quarter million if he wins the Con Smythe. So of the one point, let's see here, 600, 900. Yeah, uh, that's one, 1. 1.4, 1.4 million in potential bonuses. Of those 1.4 million, I think probably 800,000 are easily attainable. Yeah, so again, Williams is worth more than that. And he won't get this deal out of Williams next year. Williams probably retire anyhow. Right. But I don't know. Is it really worth it to have a nickel and dime kind of deal here with a guy that you're hoping propels you to the Stanley Cup? That's the big question here. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't see a lot of well, What's the answer for you? Well, I, I think okay. In terms of Carolina, him being added to Carolina, I think he's a good ad. He's a leader. He had a great year last year. I, I, I only think that Williams takes this deal if this is it. That he, you know, he he's going back to a situation where he's going to be a leader again. He's buddies with Brindamore, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I don't think he would have taken this kind of sweetheart deal if it was Tampa Bay or Toronto or Boston. I think it would probably right. be more money. It would be more guaranteed money. Right. Um, so they gave him a little bit of a sweetheart deal, but I think it's I think it speaks a lot of the Carolina Hurricanes that you're playing nickel and dime bullcrap with the guy who led you to the conference final last year. So yeah, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Now, um, I didn't watch a lot of the Boston Nashville game, but you know Nashville's you know really struggled, and obviously they fired Laviolette uh, earlier in the week and replaced him with Hines. Uh, Paul Maurice, who's the uh, current Winnipeg Jets head coach. Um, was asked uh, in Toronto today because the Jets are playing the Leafs um, about the season in which Babcock, Peter DeBoer, and now Laviolette have all lost their jobs. He says, "I'm concerned about the trend. They're coming. They're you know they're coming for you one day. Meaning the general managers, all of us, no matter what, you're going to get fired. All three of those guys are coming back. I'm not a hundred percent sure about all three of them. I'm still a little." questioning about Babcock because of everything that came out after the fact. I think DeBoer will get a job. I think Laviolette will get a job if he wants it. But do you think all three of them are coming back? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going with a maybe. I mean, it's tough. I'm still stuck on the fact that um, Nashville gave up three goals in the third here in this game. Yeah. I mean, that is more of the same as what they were doing before. Well, I mean, what's it really going to take to to snap them out of it? Well, it's going to take a little time for for Heinz to get his message across. And the problem is, will it be too late by that? Yeah, they don't have a lot of time. Yeah, and that's why they made the move now. Yeah, and you know, should we mention the little inside 
information that uh, came out about uh, about uh, Hines being the ex-roommate of the assistant general manager of the Predators, and that was the connection. I mean, we know that Hines had a connection to USA Hockey through Ray Shiro, right. former assistant GM in um, in Nashville, and then GM in Pittsburgh, and now GM in New Jersey. So I'm sure I'm sure David Poyle probably contacted Shiro about Hines, but right. it just seems that I mean, look at the, really, you've got a whole slew now of ex coaches who have been fired this year. Montgomery, obviously with his problems, um, Bill Peters. I'm not sure he'll ever get a job again based on what what uh, what came out. Uh, but it, it may be a year or two and, and there'll be some reconsideration. But the three that were just mentioned by Maurice, Babcock, DeBoer, and now LaViolette, next year, next summer when there are openings, these are going to be the three names that are mentioned over and over and over again. And guys like guys like Lane Lambert yeah. or other, you know, uh, Rocky Thompson, other, other like AHL coaches, I mean, that's the hurdle that they have to jump is that all these retreads get jobs before they do. Yeah, I mean, who was the hot name like three, four years ago? Was it um, Eakins? Uh, well, before him, Haviland, right? He was the assistant. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't remember him uh, as, the, as the big one, but... But he was getting mentioned. Yeah, and Ke and Keith over the last couple of years because the Marlies were having such... It takes a long for these guys to get jobs. It's just... I don't want to say this is a bad hire because we'll see how it goes. But I know Josh Harris is happy because he doesn't have to pay him anymore. You know, that's the one thing about when you fire a coach and somebody else picks him up, you get to stop paying that guy. So at least he's not paying two coaches. But end of the day, it might take him a week to get these guys playing the way he wants them to. And I don't know if they can hemorrhage those points in a week and still come back. Um. We'll answer this question while we um, mention the uh, – well, we'll, we'll answer the question here. Uh, Michael asks, will Florida trade Mike Hoffman or Dadanoff? I would say no because they're in the playoff race. Yeah, I mean, there's zero chance they're trading Dadanoff. Now, Hoffman, if something comes up where they feel like, hey, we could get a defenseman for him and that's going to help us go further, they might part with Hoffman because – Dadnoff, even if he – I'm not sure what his contract status is. I'm looking it up right now. Dadnoff is, I believe – yeah, he's a UFA at the end of this year making $4 million. Uh, Hoffman is a UFA making five point one. Yeah, they're not going to pay Hoffman anyhow. So – But I, I, I think I think you're right in the sense that they could trade Hoffman, but I don't think you're going to be able to trade him one for one for a defenseman. It might be like the whole situation that happened between uh, – uh, Calgary, Montreal, right. They they trade Hoffman as a rental to a team that needs a scorer and then right. they use the empty cap space, the, this cap space that they cleared to get a forward and maybe trade the same draft picks. Yeah, I mean, something like that could happen, but I think there's a better chance Florida re-signs Dadenoff in the offseason, so rolls with him. I think Hoffman, there's a chance. Now – you look at the standings right now and how things have changed in you know, fairly dramatically. Now, the Tampa Bay won 9-2 to yesterday over uh, the Vancouver Canucks with Carter Verhage, who led the AHL in scoring last year. Scored yeah, former Leaf draft pick Carter Verhage. Um, now – this is you know, this is the standings right now in the in the East. Boston at sixty one, 
with 44 games played. Tampa at 54 with 42 games played. The Leafs at 53 with 44 games played. And then it drops from uh, after the two wildcard teams to Florida. And I'm talking about the, the Atlantic here first. Florida at 49, Buffalo at 45, and Montreal at 43. Right now it's looking like, I mean, unless Boston continues to – I mean, Boston's had a bad – Last, um, it was a bad stretch. I don't think they'll continue. Well, but they're still getting points. They're four, one, and five in their last 10. So at least they're getting right. the points that's keeping them at a safe distance. But Tampa Bay is rallying right now. They're finally playing the way people thought that they were going to play. But at the beginning of the season, everybody was saying Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Buffalo had that early run. Montreal was doing great early on. And now, after a half a season, it's Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto with Florida in the wild card mix. And Buffalo and Montreal trailing behind. It's it finds its way to getting to where we thought it was going to get. Well, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure Funky had it all figured out, but <laughs> this is what we thought. And yeah, I just look the way the NHL is with the loser points. Teams are always in it. Like that's so. Team like Montreal, like Buffalo, they win five, they lose five, they still get points they're still going to be in it. Like we're going to be having the same conversation in a month. Like, Hey, Buffalo's five points out and Montreal's six points out and the Rangers are seven points out. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of these teams are still going to be treading water, but I think the, the main teams that we're talking about barring major injury are like the flyers, Florida, Columbus. Yeah. And Florida lost five <laughs> yesterday to Arizona with Aiden Hill in goal. I know. I mean, Florida was giving up odd man rushes too in that game. I saw some highlights. And I'm not taking anything away from Aiden Hill. He made 37 saves, so he earned the victory. But I'm just saying that's a game where you see the third string goaltender in for a team that normally plays really good shutdown defense. You had an opportunity to earn points there and in a tight race. I mean, I, I think it's realistic. I mean, we know that you know Boston or Tampa or Toronto are going to have a losing streak and maybe they fall back to the pack or things get closer. That's very, very possible. But what I'm saying is, is that the ta- the teams with the with a the higher level of level of talent have separated themselves, but it took them 40 games to do so. So well, let me ask you this: Florida is a plus seven differential. Should it be higher at this point of the year? Or is that the Quenville effect and he can only do what he has with the guys that he has right now? Well, honestly, I, I think I think it's a bit of the Quenville effect because, I mean, I saw them play last week. And I've, I've not seen many instances where a Joel Quenville team was sort of like comatose. Right. And they were down 3 nothing to the Sabres and pulled Bobrovsky and didn't really get back into the game until mid to late third period and then almost tied the game. That's not quite, you know, usually Quinville's teams are not mailing it in, and that game had a mail-it-in feeling. Okay. Um, Now, it's tough to get your message. Who was the backup again? Chris Dredger was the. Yeah, because. They may may need to look to bolster their backup, too. I mean, you can play Bob all these games down the stretch, and that's fine, but – you know, Dredger's not exactly the greatest backup. No, but the you know the thing is, you're expecting to get more out of Bobrovsky based on what you paid him, and I think his save percentage was like 906. It's yeah, not that's like average. Now, is that is that a symptom of the team's defense? Probably. Um, 
you know, I think that's a little bit of it, but I, you know, he did not, he did not really impress that much against the Sabres. Yeah. So, I mean, he needs to step it up too. Bob does have the ability to get hot. We'll see what happens. What was the comment that you shook down that said Philly too? What was that? No, no, no. I just did that because the comment, the earlier comment was way up the line. Oh, okay. Get it off the screen. I just clicked on something quick. Um, let's see here. Uh, so we talked about the Lightning. We talked about the Panthers and Coyotes. Uh, the Islanders beat the Devils four to three in overtime. And okay, I know this will, you know, make somebody's heart stop. I'll give credit to the Islanders in one respect: is that you know that I I still believe that they're a flawed team who can't score enough goals, and they have to really address that before the deadline. Lou needs to address that. Otherwise, I think they're maybe a one-round team, and then they get eliminated by a, a Washington or somebody like, somebody like that. But you know they went they won one nothing over the Avalanche, a team that's got a great offense. They played shutdown hockey. They beat they beat the Devils four to three in overtime. You know they're winning the games they need to win. But if you look at where they are, where they are in the standings right now, and compared to where they were maybe three or four weeks ago, I mean they're fifty seven points tied with Pittsburgh. You know. Carolina and Philly and Columbus are five and seven points behind them. So they're not safe and neither is Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh with all their losses. So, you know, they, they created a little bit of space with these two wins, but they're still in really, I think in day and not in desperate straits, but they're still in a position where they're not locked down in terms of making the playoffs. No, they're not locked down. They, they need to maybe make two moves. I don't know if Lou will do two, so they may have to settle for one, but they could use a defenseman and they could use a forward. So we'll see what ends up happening. Maybe something will happen within. I think it's too much to say Noah Dobson could be that defenseman. I really do. I think that's a bridge too far. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Capitals beat the Senators 6-1. to one. Uh, Caps GM Brian McClellan was on Hockey Central this year. Oh, we didn't talk about the trade. We should. Which, the McCarran deal? Yeah, the McCarron for um, Dauphin. Okay, go ahead. I mean, end of the day, the Habs got a guy who could skate really well. So with Dauphin, why not give him some ice time and see if he could produce something? McCarron can't skate, and he's just a big body. So end of the day, you already know what he can't do. So at least this is a cost-cutting measure, but what if all of a sudden Dauphin does kick in a little bit? Yeah, I just thought the the the, um, the contrast of the player who does skate well for the player who doesn't skate well was pretty funny in this deal. I mean, McCarron, it's funny because I've always compared McCarron side-by-side side with Freddie Gauthier because I think they were in the same draft, same first round, um, both big lugging guys. At least Freddie Gauthier has improved from slow to slow. He's much better, a much better skater. Barb Underhill worked with him over the few last few years, and I think he's yeah. at least an NHL average skater now. McCarron had didn't, no. and McCarron is still as slow as he was, and this is why he's a border. He's not even an NHL player; he's an American Hockey League player. So, right. um, now the, the, Brian McClellan, the Capitals GM, was on Hockey Central this at this morning, and indicated you know he's happy with his top six. Obviously, he's happy with his goal with his goaltending tandem. Um, sounded like basically the Capitals might be looking for depth moves, 13th forward, seventh defenseman by the deadline. And I mean, that's not surprising because this team is leading the, 
Metro division, they're they're having a, a good year. I mean, why do you really need to – unless an injury comes along, why would you really need to mess with anything? And who – which player? Sorry, I was looking for – Brian McClellan, the Capitals. Oh, about the Capitals. yeah, I did see the interview. They're not going to do much. They may not do anything at all. Well, they don't, they don't have the cap space to do much. Well, I mean, but they could trade somebody for somebody. But most likely they're not going to do anything at all. But the way he answered the uh, – the Holtby Backstrom thing was my feeling was they're signing Backstrom. They're not signing Holtby. That's what I always felt. That's the way I still feel, but he's going to deal with that in the off season. He knows he has a cup run in this team. He's going to let it ride out. And then he knows, he knows what the plan is. He just doesn't want to tell you today, but the plan is Holtby's going to be gone. He's, he's an own rental right now. Sam Sonoff will be the, the goalie that saves them a lot of money. That money goes to Backstrom. I think that's the way it goes. Yeah, and it's it's sim it's a simple equation. You can replace Holtby. Yeah. And bring in a veteran goaltender, maybe for to make say three three and a half million as a backup and as a one B, and not put all the weight on Samsonov while he's making while he's on on his entry level contract. Right. You can't find a second line or first line center wherever you're gonna put in Backstrom, you can't find that in free agency. Not with that kind of playoff experience too. Right. He's, he's, you know, I mean, you'll pay, you may, they may sign him to a deal that's like Oshie's in the sense that it's an eight year deal. They spread out the cap hit. They load it front loaded face offs. Like he's very valuable. Right. But I mean, they, you know, it could be like a $7 million cap hit, but like half of the, more than half of the contract in terms of money is loaded in the first in the first four, four or five years. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think that, yeah, I, I think Holpe is going to be on the market and there, I, he'll get, he'll get a lot of interest because there's a lot of teams that need goaltenders out there. It looks like um, Lindgren's going to have a hearing today for the shot to Don Scorey's head. That's yeah. a call. He, he ran him over. Um, Kadri tried to stick up for Don Scorey. That's fine. He did a pretty good job too. He, 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 uh, he bloodied uh, Lindgren with the, uh, yeah. With a few, a few left and right hands. Yeah, and I don't think it was a cheap shot. People asked me if they thought that Kadri cheap shot at him. I, I don't think so. I think what he did was fine. Um, looks like Giovanni Smith got his first NHL point. That's nice. That's the one positive for Detroit is when you can get guys like that in there and give them experience because you're not going to win anything. Um, Flamesters asking. I think he's asking me if the Leafs are going to go after a goalie. And also the Flames in regards to JG Pajot. Uh, well, I mean, the with the Froleek deal, the Flames opened up the cap space to be able to make an acquisition. It's a question now whether they will give Ottawa what Ottawa is looking for for Pajot. I don't know if the you know I don't know if it's gonna they would want a first round pick. I would think that they would probably want a prospect that is ready to come into the NHL. You know would. Uh, would they give up? Would they give Sam Bennett for Pajot? Would, would they, they give Sam Bennett for Pajot? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if you're Ottawa, would you do that? Hmm. I might because I might not get anything better, and Bennett still can score me 15 goals. Right. It's a question of what Ottawa thinks the upside on on Bennett is. If they think right. Bennett, if they think Bennett is better than what he has been right now with the flames then they might do that because but you know ideally you know Ottawa's looking probably for first round pick and prospect 
By the way, more bad news for the Penguins. Um, with all the revolving around for the uh, All-Star game, Tristan Jarry is now an All-Star. That probably uh, helps his uh, negotiations next go-around. Yeah. An All-Star, too. Yeah, I, I have a feel, and it's his first All Star game, so I understand him wanting to go. But I think if the Leafs, if if you could get into the mind of Kyle Dubas and the Leafs, they would have loved Freddie Anderson to not be selected or to say that uh, you know he didn't want to go, but he wants to go because it's his first All Star game. His his workload has been extremely heavy, so they, I think, they, ideally they wouldn't have wanted him to go. Uh, Thomas Boyle asking in the chat here, Barzell is asking for Mitch Marner money or higher? Do you see Lou agreeing to his demands? Five years, ten and a half. I think that's what he's going to get. I don't think he's going to want more than five because I think it's going to be the same as Matthews, and he probably wants to see what's going to shake out on the island. But I think five years between ten and ten and a half. Um, I mean, Marner got six at ten eight or ten nine. And Marner's better. And Marner's better. And and uh, I mean Barzil. Now I, I'm not I, I'm not watching a ton of Islanders games, but from what I saw when they played the Leafs last week, Barzil was playing center, but he has played wing too. Yeah, and he's defensively responsible. I mean, he he is the best player on that team. You do need to hold him. I don't think you can get him for nine. I don't. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, it, you might be able to get him nine on a three-year deal, and then you have a. Right. Then you have a year of uh, arbitration eligible restricted free agency, but I think they'd want to get them long term, and they've got the cap space, right? So why but not have to lock them up this summer? Yeah, you have to have a star player to put in that new building if it ever gets built. I mean, they have broken ground on it. It's just waiting on a check from the uh, Wilpons. That's all. Oh God! In the mail. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's the money they're getting from Cespedes. Um, anyway, um, Hunter, what would Jacob Silverberg's trade value be right now or at the deadline? Could se see several teams be interested? Thoughts? Um, I think you, you, you could get like a second-round pick in next year's draft or a B-type prospect. I think that's possible depending on uh, the team and if they are loaded with prospects. I think you could pry away a B. Well, this is the thing. He, in a different situation, he could be a lot better than he is. There is okay. There is cost certainty here because he signed a five-year deal last summer. He's making five and a quarter, which compared to some others out there is fairly reasonable. Um, right now, he's got twenty-eight points in forty-two games, so he's on a fifty-six-point pace. He's second in scoring behind Getzloff. Um, so he's, he's much on that team though. Yeah. He's, I mean, him on a 30 goal pace with, with, with Anaheim, with a team that's rather challenged means that he could do better elsewhere. Right. But I, I don't know if you see, this is the problem we know. And, and Russ, we're going to talk about the, this before we end the show, the, your, uh, your draft list. Yeah. Um, this is a really good draft. And teams are probably loath to give up their first round picks in this draft. You might be able to get a conditional first for next year. Might twenty twenty one. I mean, we don't know how good it's going to be. I mean, it, it, it's, it's yeah, don't start asking me because I'm not. I'm not looking at it. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's like you you're. I mean, that's the unknown. The league. Yeah. So I mean. I don't think if San Jose knew how good the 2020 draft was going to be, would they have traded? Would they have made it uh, 
unconditional in the, in the Carlson deal, or they've given them given themselves some flexibility. I would settle for a B prospect, and if they want to throw me a pick, that'd be great. And I think you might be able to squeeze it out of them at the deadline because, again, this is a significant amount of salary that a team's taken. Okay, some quick hitters here. Uh, Russ, do you think Zadina will ever live up to his hype, and do you think Detroit wish they'd picked Quinn Hughes? Well, I always think Detroit will wish they'd picked Quinn Hughes. I like Cider, though. I do. Um, but as far as Zadina, I mean, he's got five goals. I think, I think he is starting to live up to it. I think they – again – if we want to talk about Leah Anderson and the interview he did with Ufi Bowden and, you know, I couldn't believe some of the comments from Ranger fans, just how crass they were. And, you know, right now there's an ongoing something going on. How, how open did you think Leah Anderson could be in giving answers? He, he told you as much as he could, yeah. but the, the issue is, is a cultural issue that's clear. And so he may never play for the Rangers again, whether they can get something for him or not. Is remains to be seen because he's got a year and a half left. That's where that lies. The the comments and basically it's like I got a year and a half for this contract to be over with, so I can go someplace else. That that's it sounds like. I know he said he had an injury. It wasn't specified what the injury was, but there was something else that he was referring to that he that he couldn't go into. And I I don't know. I'm not going to go down that road to ask what that was, but clearly it just didn't work out, and he didn't like the treatment he was getting from the Rangers. So he was rushed. Yeah. Zadina wasn't. They put Zadina up there. They saw he wasn't ready. They gave him a lot of games in Grand Rapids. And now you see a more responsible, stronger player. He's stronger than he than he was. Physically stronger, more mentally stronger. And so I think you'll see him getting between 20 and 30 goals next year. So I think right now this is a good learning year for him. Yeah. Uh, Terry, um, if the Canadians decide to rebuild – whom does Price, Weber, and anyone else of value on the roster go to? Would Price be a fit with the Leafs? Uh, Terry, the Leafs have three players making over uh, – three players 11 million or close to 11 million or over 11 million. Yeah. Price is 10.5. Unless the Canadians are retaining $4 million, making them a $6.5 million goaltender, the Leafs aren't interested because they can't afford them. Right. Um, you know – uh, Freddie Anderson has another year after this year. At this point, I'm thinking the Leafs are going to probably talk to him next summer about extension. Yeah, especially, I think so. Especially after coming off an all-star year. and especially, the between the younger good goalies they have and when they're going to be ready. Right. They have two prospect goaltenders. One is you know struggling in his rookie season in the AHL and Joseph Wall, but I still think he's going to be a, a good goaltender. The other one, Ian Scott, had hip surgery and is out for the year. So – at the absolute least, the Leafs need a goaltender, a number one for two to three seasons before these guys are even ready to challenge for the job. So, I, I think I think the I think the Leafs are going to be looking next year because Anderson will still be under contract. They're going to be probably looking for a a backup. Um, probably, you know, there's been a lot of talk about going to the KHL. Uh, for a backup goaltender, uh, there was a, uh, a Russian goalie who's having a great year that there was a, a piece on Sportsnet about. Um, so I think they're going to go that way, but I do too. We'll see. Uh, but just before we end the show, Russ, um, you yeah, put quickly go ahead. on the top 31, I put it out yesterday. I like to put it out at least after the World Juniors, sometimes after like the top prospects game, but I'm not going to the top prospects game. 
I'm going to beat the All-American Prospects game because they changed their format. Now they're going to play against the NTDP. So that really is uh, could be a heck of a game. So in that regard, I'm switching it up. So I put out the list now. Probably some surprises would be um, towards the bottom of the list. I have Ryder Ralston, 31st. That's Brian's kid. Uh, he is really fast. I think there's a chance he could be a finisher. I think we're not seeing nearly what we could see other than the speed right now. I think it's a work in progress. Uh, there's a fair amount of USHL guys in there. I did put in um, Blake Biondi is the one high school kid. Right now he's playing for Hermantown High School. Have I seen him in person? No, I have not. Uh, but I projected with other high school kids before, like Riley Tufty, and, you know, you get a certain amount of video, you look at their numbers. I have a system with what I use there, and I'm very careful with it because high school hockey clearly is so much different than junior hockey. But he's already playing in the USHL on the weekends, yeah. and he's starting to get points there. So, you know, Patrick Kane did that. A lot of guys that are really good have done that, and he could play center. He seems to be a natural center. So I put him in the list. This is the first list, though. So this is – and I wrote it. It's going to change. It always is changing based on right through the end of the year how people play and how the tournaments go. So, yeah, keep an eye on it. Go to Sportsology. I always have fun with it. I think the um, maybe the biggest surprise on there is Christian Tannis. He was – Passed over in the draft, but Mike, we all saw him in the World Juniors, and he was really good. He was one of Finland's best players. So right now, I think because he played against some of those age-appropriate guys, that he, you know, he deserves to be there. Sounds good. We'll we'll be tracking those players as we go closer to the draft in June. Russ and I are both going uh, to Montreal for that. Uh, need some recommendations for some restaurants and restaurants, not strip joints. Restaurants in Montreal. Right. Uh, so send send them along in the in the chat maybe in the future, but uh, that, that's it for the show today. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Uh, remember, without the buzz. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.